This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, Cherries fans, and welcome to this latest show here on Up the Cherries in All Departments. So after our fantastic 3-0 victory over Sheffield United at Bramall Lane, we're back at home against the side who, if all the ducks are in order, could be top of the Premier League come Sunday evening. That side is Aston Villa, a side who have been fantastic in Europe, And also, of course, fantastic in the league. So, what do the Villa fans make of Unai Emre's charges this season? Well, no doubt they're very, very happy. Are they dreaming of further successes? Well, let's find out. It is a pleasure to welcome on to the show again, from the Villa Park podcast, Martin Leonard. Welcome back to Up the Cherries North Departments. Martin, how are you doing? I'm all good, Craig. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem at all. A pleasure as always. And I'll tell you what, let's start off with Europe. Um, and of course, on Thursday you were playing. This is why it's out a little bit later. Um, mm. And of course, a fantastic win over Legia Warsaw. Um, you've still got a little bit to do in Europe. But you're pretty much there, aren't you? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's more or less going to be guaranteed. You know, our next game is against Mostar, who, in fairness, proved to be quite a difficult game to be against because they they really defended well. And, and I said it before I put out a tweet on it that it wasn't pretty from Villa. And I gave all credit to Mostar. They defended really well. They were on the attack a good few times. Like, you know, they were catching us on the counter. I thought their game plan was really well executed, but... It's just that final third in the pitch where it just didn't work out for them. And luckily for us, we got like a late minute winner. So like, but 
say like that was two or three seasons ago, you're talking about Aston Villa probably losing them games four or five nil. And, you know, we just don't get that look where now we're getting that bit of luck in games where we're getting late minute winners or we're getting calls for us now. So it's a bit unusual for a Villa fan. Like (laughs) Some weeks I've even said, is this what it feels like to be a big six club? You know, you get away with certain things. Yeah, well, it's been long overdue, and I remember Aston Villa years ago when I was growing up. Um, you know, were one of the big sides that were always, you know, punching there at the top of the t- table. Um, mm. I think you finished second one season, didn't you? The very Thinking... fourth season, the very yeah. fourth season of the Premier League. Yeah, so it's good to see you back up there. Um, and let's go on to the Premier League because. If you are to beat us and oh. results go in your favour, which it's, it's going to be a big ask for everything to go in your favour, you could be top of the table, oh. end of play on Sunday. Yeah. Um, firstly, how exciting is that? Considering we were speaking off air about those three seasons in the championship, um, and I didn't realise it was three years. Um but it was a struggle to get out of it, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it really is a big struggle to get kind of get out of that championship just before I got onto the Premier League. Uh, you know, with certain clubs, you're either out of it in your first season, coming back, or you know you're you're stuck there for years. Like you've, you've seen many clubs being stuck there for years. Sunderland have now been down there for a while. Wigan haven't even come back up. They've kept going down the pecking order. Portsmouth, another club. Blackburn as well, ever since they've gone down, they haven't been back up. Leeds being probably the biggest fall-off as a club. As soon as they've gone down, they've struggled to come back up, and now Millie are back down again. Forest is another club who got relegated yeah. and took years to come back. There's only certain clubs that are like the yo-yo clubs, your Norwich, your Fulham, your Burnley's, and now supposedly your Sheffield United is the way that it's looking at. Like, But those three seasons of championships, we nearly went into administration, which was... A bad time for the club, you know, with Tony Xia, supposedly there was something to do with his finances, which wasn't great. And luckily, you know, Wes Eden's and Naris have coming into the fold of Aston Villa saving our club and taking us from, you know, like just from mid-table of the championship to now potentially going into the top of the league. And I and I can and don't get me wrong, I really am excited by the prospect of potentially going champ, top of the league this weekend if certain results go our way. But at the same time, I really do want to take it game by game. I'm a bit of a pessimistic like that. Like some yeah. lads are really excited. They're, they're, they're like, yeah, top of the league, top of the league. And I'm kind of going, lads, please, game by game, because there's been so many times where Liverpool and Arsenal, who were top of the league at Christmas, yeah, and Man City will still win the league because they're running for Man City. Just it just it's it does not stop. It's www. It just keeps going. But don't get me wrong, I am very excited just how the year has gone. Like top four with literally only like two points being off the top of the table. And considering we've had our injuries with Mings, Wendia, Moreno, Ramsey four key players but now obviously with Moreno and Ramsey back which is a great boost for us to have them missing and for us to say that we're going to be top four if someone had told me that at the start of the year you're going to be top four and having four key players missing I would tell you you're being silly and I'd laugh at your face and now I'm like 
wow. And it's, and all the credit to me personally just goes down to Unai Emery. Let's talk about that man because, of course, he is one of the three Basque managers in the Premier League. Of course, Arteta is the other one. We've got one. You've got one. And then that transition from Steven Gerrard, because let's be honest, it now looks like Steven Gerrard did an absolutely terrible job at Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, how Unai Emre has completely changed things and getting you punching towards the top of the table. Let's be honest, last season, the run you went on to get into those places for Europe, those spots for Europe, was incredible, really. Sorry, just repeat that last bit. Forgive me, I'm partially deaf. So no, that's fine. So it, to be honest, it was incredible. You know how he went on that run to actually get you into those European places. Um, you know, w- what did you make of it last season? When Jared was initially hired, or sorry, when Dean Smith was initially sacked. Mm-hmm. The first name I did say was Steven Gerrard because he had done a great job with Rangers. Like, you know, we got them far in the Europa League and, you know, we won the league. And I think Perslow being his big mate, you know, the two connections from Liverpool when they were with each other, you know, sold the project to our owner saying, look, young up-and-coming manager, look what he's done in Europe. He's won won a league title in Scotland, you know, dethroning Celtic, which was a big thing now, but don't get me wrong, it was still Rangers FC. They should be winning titles. But So the owner bought into that, gave Perslow, you know, the reign of doing that. And at the start, don't get me wrong, the honeymoon period, which every manager goes through, we thought this was a great hire. This could now be a chance for us to push. And then he went on a bit of a, a drought of poor performances, which does happen after honeymoon period, but then it just continued and it continued and it continued. And we, Rich says it very well in our podcast. Like, you know, he says, um, you know, we weren't seeing what he's doing in training going into a match because we were asking questions. What's he doing in the training? Because we're not seeing it in a game where then he was let go after Fulham because he got the sack before he went on the team bus, which was incredible. <laughs> I mean, imagine sitting there and all them boys knowing he was like, yeah, you're at the door, mate. You're not our manager anymore. Get out here, right? <laughs> right? To now, like, and funny enough, I didn't put Emery on my list of managers that I wanted. Mm. I had said Potticino and Potter because at the time, Potter, who is from Solihull, he's an Aston Villa fan, you probably yeah. would have thought, he would probably bite the hand off to get the village job because it's closer to home. He supports the club, which sort of like a Dean Smith feel, but he plays better yeah. football than Dean Smith. And then I also said Potticino. He wasn't attached to a club. Mm-hmm. So I felt the project of money being invested, some European football, there's young players. I thought that would have protected him. I suppose we went for him, but he said no. It's no problem. Like If he says no, he says no. All you can yeah. do is ask. Then when it was announced that we got Emery and it only cost us five million to pay out his clause. And to, for him to take us from 17th to 7th in a short space of time, and don't get me wrong, yeah. he only brought in one player, a left back in Alex Moreno, and he chopped loads in January. And I'm going, oh my Jesus, what happens if some of these players get injured? And like, you know, the squad depth wasn't there, but luckily the run we went on, it was just... It got to the point where 
I was expecting Aston Villa to now win games. Like I was looking forward to watching Villa. It was a bright spark now in my life to finally watch Aston Villa and brag about it. Where for years my mates were like, "Ha Villa are George," <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. So like, and then as it's going on, and I was just in awe. And then this season, I felt we would have kicked on, but to kick on in the heights again of what he's done, it just feels like Una Emery is overachieving, and so is the club. But when you watch the football that we play, you say, no, this is where Aston Villa should be. Look at the football they play. And just, it's just phenomenal. Like sometimes I'm left speechless now when watching Aston Villa because it was the exact same player as Gerard Hart and nearly Dean Smith, just with a few additions here and there. Yeah. And it's completely elevated to beyond what Aston Villa fans would have thought. Well, I interviewed, um, and this is going back to the start of the season, I interviewed a chap called Mikel Ekstari, and okay. he is the former Basque national team manager. And he's worked with the likes of Lopetegui, Arteta, of course, Andoni Iriola, and Unai Emre. And one of the styles that he was saying was that the Basque managers press from the front it's all about controlling possession, keeping the game flowing. Um, and do you feel that Unai Emre has shown that style of the likes of Arteta, of maybe Iriola was trying to show? Of course, he has got mm. a little bit more direct. But do you feel that that's what he's really shown? Or do you feel that he's actually evolved that game? Funny enough, I always say I don't think Unai Emery has a particular playing style mm. because his style, in my opinion, as I feel, he contradicts what the other team does. Yeah. Like he's very good at pointing out, right, this is what Tottenham do and this is what we're going to do to counteract what they do. And for a manager to be able to do that and to get our players to adapt to different situations in each game it's incredible. But now at home, he does have a particular playing style. We play a high line. We like to keep the ball, keep possession, keep it flowing, like you just said with the Basque managers. And that's it. I feel he's shown that at home. But still at the same time at home, he'll go, right, if they do this, this is what you're doing. So our players are well now capable to adapt into different situations where they weren't before under the likes of Jared and Smith. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of goes to show, and sometimes a little bit of detail in the manager can make such a difference to your players and to what position that puts you in the table. And it's, like I said, it's just absolutely incredible. And now, like, you know, sitting in the Champions League spot, top four, fifth now potentially is the Champions League spot still, depending on the new format next season. Yeah. But for me to finally look at something that Unai does, I'm really trying to learn what he does in training and a football game because he's kind of teaching the fans as well what he's doing against certain clubs and what he wants to implement into the team. It's just so exciting. Like every time we go to Villa Park, it's like, what's Emery got today? What's Emery got today? It's not like, oh, can Watkins get this? Can, you know, can Douglas Weeds this? It's what Emery, what has Emery got today? Are you concerned though? about coming up against Bournemouth because, oh. of course, Andoni Iriola is a man that knows the, the Basque style. He yes. probably knows a lot more about Unai Emre than myself um, because I believe that, you know, they 
do know each other and they're quite good friends as well. Do you feel that this could be potentially a banana skin considering we are in decent form and the manager knows from mm. the same area being trained by the same coach as Emery? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Bournemouth is probably one that is a potential banana skin like last season. That kind of showed to be the case as well, obviously, because I just think the only game we've won at Bournemouth was the the year we got relegated when Rudy just dead scored a big thumping header. Yes. And, yep. and, after, and after that, we just haven't won at Bournemouth away, I don't think. So, because Bournemouth's a very hostile ground, I feel sometimes to go to as for Aston Villa because it's so close, condensed to the pitch, the fans are right in your face. It's, it's sort of like Selhurst in a way, because yep. you're so close to the football pitch. And don't get me wrong, it's only 10,000 fans, but that 10,000 fans will feel like 50 and 60 because they're so close with the noise. Yeah. But I do agree. I do, I do think this is probably a potential banana skin for Villa because obviously the manager knows Unai Emery. But, but if you flip the coin, Unai Emery also knows him. Yes, very true. So therefore, the two would try to contradict with each other. But I would feel if that's going to be the case, I would feel Villa would tip it because of our quality of players compared to yours. And that's just no disrespect. It's just that little bit of a level difference, says all. Well, one man that you do have, and we was linked with it. To be honest, when this first came out last yeah. season, uh, well, last season in the summer, we thought, nah, this isn't going to happen. And so it showed. And then it sounded like the player kind of reignited the interest but it was too late we'd already made the sign-ins that we had and that is uh zaniolo nicolo zaniolo um firstly how good has he been for aston villa not great if i'm being honest i i, th I think i've been a bit underwhelmed i like, don't get wrong at the start he was trying he was he was you know you know bulldozing people he, he had a little bit of a bite in the midfield which i feel yeah. sometimes a villa player would miss him but now it's gotten to the point like he's still trying like like you should be starting to produce a little bit of numbers from now like and look I, there's still plenty of time you can still yeah. go ahead and prove me wrong but at the same time i kind of feel like it's he's been a bit underwhelming i don't get me wrong at the loan move it's, there's no obligation to buy. It's only yeah. an option. So he could still prove me wrong as the season goes on. But in the same sense, I've been a little bit underwhelmed by him. I can see where some fans are coming from that give him a bit of time. And in fairness, I'm willing to because I can see what he wants to do. And sometimes he just hasn't worked off. He's been unlucky with top-class saves from keepers. I mean, some of the goals he probably would have scored would have been crackers. But he's hit the post. He's hit the crossbar. Like, keepers just saving worldies. And you're just kind of going, when is this lad going to catch a break? It's, it's just really yes. bad in them. But at the same time, I've been fairly underwhelmed. Very underwhelmed. We was also discussing off-air about Zaniolo and, of course, the situation in Italy mm. and Tenali, um, of course, being suspended for Newcastle. Um, and I know from what you've said, Zaniolo, it hasn't happened to him. Um, but do tell us a little bit more about that situation because it's all kind of gone under the radar. They find they suspended Tanali, but 
of course, we didn't really hear much about what happened with Zaniolo. Yeah, what happened there was obviously they put the two names together simply because Zaniolo and Tenali are very good mates outside of football. They still keep in touch, you know, everything else, even though Zaniolo was in Birmingham, Tenali in Newcastle, but they still kept in touch when he was in Italy and Turkey, vice versa, you know. So, yeah, so I think then another name had to come, and because they're so close to each other, the question was asked from the investigation team to Zaniolo, did you have anything involved? Because he's your best mate. So therefore we have reason to believe you might be involved, but he had openly said, no, I had absolutely nothing to do with it. And he brought his team of solicitors and they said, look, here's the evidence. There's nothing to tie him down to these allegations of gambling and match fixing and they said, right, fair enough. After a while, not straight away, of course, but after a while, they had said, right, you're clear of all cha- potential charges that may be coming against you. So you're in the clear, you're innocent, no problems at all. You know, simple stuff. Thought we'd ask. Clearly not enough. Thank you. Then they move on to Tenali, and obviously he's now been suspended for the rest of the season. So it's a bit harsh on Tenali. In the sense of like his best mate probably left him to dry him somehow. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if he did or not. But yeah. In the same sense though, if you're gonna do something like that, you're gonna get a punishment. And I was looking at um the goal scoring charts as well. Ollie Watkins, what an outstanding player he is turning out to be. Um mm-hmm. twelve goals, is it so far this season? I think so, yes. In all competitions, yes. Yeah. But how to how to Bournemouth stop him? Because he is on fire at the moment. Yeah. How do we yeah. stop him? I don't, I don't know. I think the only person who can stop Ollie Watkins is Ollie Watkins. Because sometimes he gets in his own head a little bit. Yeah. He might miss a chance that he, he knows he should have scored, and it stays in his head for a long period of time. He tends to go quiet. And, you know, he might make another mistake and that's it. And it just gets to his head again and again and again, where if he's on form, he's very hard to stop. Like, he, he's no... If you want to get in the battle with Ollie Watkins, he's no problem doing that. He'll get he'll take you on the back. He'll hold you off and bring other people into play. And if you want to leave him, let him run in behind, try to catch him offside. Good luck with that because he's got pace to burn. And... I think the only thing sometimes as well that lets Ollie Watkins down, he misses a lot of chances. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong, he will score a few, but he still misses a lot. But for me personally, I would rather a striker miss chances mm-hmm. and not be there for chances. Because if you have a striker who's doing all the work and then they're not there in the box for a chance that may potentially come to them, you'd be going, where's Watkins? There's no point doing all this hard work if you're not going to be there. And that's why I always defend Ollie Watkins because he does the hard work. He gets the chances. He gets the goals. It's also been proven. And if we got rid of him, it's a case of who do we bring in to replace him because he's so pivotal to how we play. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. 
Also, smallwigs who are on the path to becoming bigwigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And I just think that a lot of fans say, oh, I hate him. Because it's, it's a very split opinion with Ollie Watkins. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally 50-50. It's like one side will say, I love Ollie, the hard work he does. Yeah, he might miss a lot of chances, but he gets the goals. If we get rid of him, who do we get? Where the other half is like, I'll get rid of him. Way too many chances missed. We need someone that's you know going to bag all the chances. because. And I always bring this up. Well, if you think about it, there's only two people in the Premier League that scored more goal contributions than Ollie Watkins, and that's Salah and Hallen. Yeah, they're the cream of the crops. And if you just take them out, Ollie Watkins is number one. So therefore, we have a top tier Premier League striker. There's not much more we can ask for. Yeah. Well, he is. He's definitely the man to watch. But there is a one thing I would say about the Villa side as well is that Unai Emery doesn't chop and change as much as sometimes it it seems like Matty Cash fantastic defender you know a player that I really really rate uh Yuri Tillemans as well of Mm. course signed from Leicester again an excellent acquisition um how important do you think it is keeping that core of that squad playing every game and also with Villa looking like you're going to progress in Europe. I'm sure you will do. But mm. looking like that and fighting on so many fronts, do you feel that maybe it is going to catch up with some players? I don't think so, no. Because now when I look at our squad depth, I feel mm. it's well equipped. Now it could yeah. still do with maybe two or three more, of course. But yeah. at the same time, I feel like it's well equipped because we've seen Carlos come in to Premier League games, we see Longley playing all the Conference League games, which gives you know Pau Torres a bit of a rest, which is which has been great. You know, Diaby hasn't started all the Conference League games, Watkins hasn't, um, mm-hmm. Dinga hasn't, Cash hasn't. You know, I feel like in the Conference games in the group stage, yeah, he's rested a few here and there just to kind of cope with what's going on in the Premier League, and then they'll come back to the Premier League well equipped and well rested. Mm-hmm. Now, later on in the season, will that catch up? Potentially, because if you're going into the latter stages of the Conference League, your team needs to get stronger and a bit stronger and a bit stronger. But still, at the same time, I feel like the squad is well-equipped because it's better equipped than when West Ham won it. Because you've seen that they just gave up on the Premier League and decided to focus on the Conference League. And obviously, it paid off for them. But it nearly cost Moyes' job at one point. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, therefore... I feel like the squad's well-equipped in January. There's talks of them bringing in two or three just to give a little bit more depth, which would be fantastic. And then whatever he does in the summer after that, 
we can only wait and see. But I feel like the squad is well well equipped for the season ahead. Yeah, to be honest, I've got to agree with you because you, you see these teams, you know, where they do go into Europe, you know, all of a sudden and by surprise sometimes, and they fall off the following season and it all falls yeah. apart. And Villa don't Villa have improved despite playing as many games as you have done. Mm. And it's a full credit to Unai Emre. Um, if, it, here's another one. Here's another one. If I was to say that you would finish outside the European places in the Premier League, though, yeah. but you'd win the Conference League, would you take that? Or would you want to finish as high in the Premier League, you know, maybe not win it, but, you know, high in the Premier League, but then miss out on the silverware? Which one would you go for? Good question. Um, me personally, I would take silverware. Mm-hmm. I just think it's been so long yeah. since Aston Villa has worn a piece of silverware since 1996, the year I was born. So I've not seen <laughs> Aston Villa lift a major piece of silverware, and I'm not counting the playoff trophy here, like because that's yeah. just third fiddle to me. Yeah. So, like, I would rather say potentially Villa finish sixth and we win the Conference League, I call that massive success. Great step from the previous season. Now let's build on that. We're in the Europa League. And sixth place will be Europa League. So regardless, you're in the Europa League and it would just be fantastic for the club. And then you build on that. Rather than, don't get me wrong, I will take a Champions League spot as well if if that was to come to, to, uh, to life. But in the same sense, that's probably a step too high because I'm a, I'm a football coach for a club called Park Villa over here in Navan. And I'm always like baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. Because then you see progression where if you overachieve and overstep, people will then suddenly begin to expect a bit higher than what you've achieved. And sometimes that could be, you know, a, a victim of your own success is the same. Yeah. So therefore... If Emery don't get, if he achieved the Champions League spot, Villa fans would then go right. Champions League next year, win an FA Cup. You know, it gets a bit yes. bigger and bigger and bigger. Where do it in baby steps. If you get six in the Conference League spot, we can then go right. Now let's challenge for Champions League place via win the Europa League or get it being in the Premier League. And that would be much better, in my opinion, because then we'll see the progression. Better players will come in as that goes on. Where you overachieve it, you're trying then to reach for the stars and getting some players because they might go no. Like if you look at Newcastle, they finished fourth in the yeah. league last season, and they went to got Tenali, pretty much spent the budget, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get other players. Like no, no, no. So the squad hasn't really changed as such. Yeah. Where with Villa. We've made smart signs. We've made signs that have suited positions in certain areas, and therefore we've been well equipped. With, you know, like the baby steps. Like we haven't gone and got a, a super mega star that we brought into Aston Villa, or you know, we haven't gone and got like a top out and out goal scorer or like a maestro midfielder or anything like that. We've made smart signings, and that's like I said again, that's all credit to Unai Emery. But me personally, I will take. A bit of silverware this season, whether it's the Conference League, FA Cup, it's something I want. 
to be honest, that does make a lot of sense. And believe it or not, do you know what? This is crazy when I see it. You know, there's a lot of Newcastle fans that are absolutely delighted with what Sir Eddie is doing. But there's also those, and there's that small little segment that go in, well, we're not actually doing as well as we did last season. And we're going to go mm. out of the Champions League. And, yeah. oh, is he taking us as far as... And, yeah, I can see how he sometimes... Yeah, the point of overachievement. It's, it's fallen yeah. back now on Newcastle because they finished in a position where it wasn't really expected because the year before, I think they just finished about just in the bottom half, didn't they? Yes, yeah. Because after the January transfer and all that and they built themselves up and then the talk was trying to get them into the top half and then all of a sudden he got Champions League football. Now fans and owners are expecting this to be on a regular basis. Like this is, yeah. why are we... Like, are they sixth or seventh in the league? I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think it's seventh if I'm right in thinking. I might be yeah. wrong on that. Might be wrong. Now, admittedly, they've had their injury issues. They've, they've loads missing. But in the same sense, ever since they beat us 5-1, we've kind of gone nearly strength for strength, mm-hmm. where they've been a bit underwhelming, apart from their 8-0 away win. But other than that, I've not seen much. No, fair enough, fair enough. Just coming on to Bournemouth, and of course, I'd like to bring it back to the Basque managers. Yeah. Iriola, and a lot of people have said, oh, I don't like Iriola. I, I really do like him as a man. But one thing that I was really concerned about was his style and okay. how we might not have the players to adapt to his style. And he seems to now be adapting. But considering what Emery's done at Aston Villa, you hmm. know, how excited should we be now that it seems to be going in the right direction? I think you've, you you should be excited because sometimes it can work straight away, which yeah. it works straight away for us. Or it may take a little bit of time because th- this is the thing now. Because we have social media, a lot of football managers don't get time anymore. It's it's almost like we expect everything like click of a finger. Yeah. Where sometimes just have a bit of patience. Like it's not going to work straight away because you have to remember, and with all due respect, the quality of the Bournemouth players isn't probably as good as teams in the top half. It's yeah. it's it, with all due respect, and don't get me wrong, I like Bournemouth as a football club, but sometimes you have to be realistic. Yes. But now you are starting to string a few results, and you know, this is probably now a, a big test for you to start. Right, this is Aston Villa, and don't get me wrong, our waveform hasn't been great, but it's now starting to pick up after picking up a win there against Tottenham, Chelsea. So I think you've every reason to be excited because then if a January transfer window comes and he gets two or three that potentially gives you your team a lift. Yeah. Sometimes it could just be one. Like, look what happened to Moreno when he came to Sevilla. It completely changed the way we play. And I think you you should be very excited, Craig, because, you know, it just may just take that little bit of time and it's starting to come to pieces. The pieces are starting to come together. Yeah. And so, therefore, be excited. Like, you know, but also be patient. They don't get caught up in the moment. The, I was trying not to get caught up in the moment last season. Yeah. So this is, I'm probably not the best ter- best person <laughs> to talk to in that sense. But at the same time, just have a little bit of patience. Have patience with your manager because if you do, it will pay off. Do you know what, actually? You know, I'm probably the 
the worst person as well because I probably was the least patient out of every Bournemouth fan out there <laughs> because I was thinking the thing was was Gary O'Neill of course was sacked and I thought Gary's done a fantastic job last season you know really thought highly of him and then he's been sacked for Andoni Iriola and unlike uh, you know I think there was probably a lot of Bournemouth fans who went who who is this? Um, when he turned up, of course, I Funny enough, I never even more. heard of him either. I was like, and it's this fella. After <laughs> second Gary O'Neill, a manager that I felt was a bad decision, but obviously yeah. it's starting to pay off just a little bit now. But no, sorry, but continue on. I was like, what the hell? No, to be honest, uh, you know, I thought as soon as I knew he was coming in, I thought, right, okay, I can see why they've done this. But the problem is, is that puts Andoni Iriola on a pedestal that makes me think, right, okay, I expect him to get us moving up the table. I don't expect us to be dicing with the relegation zone at all. You know, I expected Mm. us to be mid-table, you know, in around that sort of area. And then the game that really did it for me was the 3-0 thrashing against Everton, um, who... Again, you could say are a team that have recently picked up as well. Mm. Um, you know, albeit let's forget the points deduction that they've got. You know, they've they've not been too bad this season. But and I started to doubt myself and thought, right, this isn't the right man for the job. We should have kept with Gary O'Neill. But you're quite right in what you say. That patience is now paying off, and. All we need to do now is keep this run going. And I think this could be a potential banana skin for Aston Villa because it is somebody who knows you, Nyemri. Um, you know, mm. of course, Arteta is the only other manager. Um, and we could look at, you know, with regards to Wolves, you know, and coming up against Lopetegui. How did you do against Lopetegui with, you know, Emre? Uh, yeah, which you know, he was another Spanish manager at the time, and it was kind of you could see the frustration because you know, at the same time as the derby, it lifts some players, you know. So, yeah. therefore, yeah, like two managers will always try to contradict each other, so it'll either go mm-hmm. one way or the other, or it'll be such a stalemate, so it's it can go either way, yeah. So, but I say it was a frustrating time because the record against Lepetegui, Emery, in La Liga. It wasn't great. Lepentegui gets the better of him. So, you know, sometimes you might be a great manager, but if someone else can get the better of you, yeah. it, it it does come into that. But at the same time, the biggest bragging rights everyone has is where do you finish? What do you win? Agree. Yeah, completely agree. And you know Emre is doing a fantastic job um, at Aston Villa. I tell you what, we have to do this. We do it after every preview. You know what's coming up. But before we do, tell everybody, Martin, where they can find the Villa Park podcast. Uh, you can find the Villa Park podcast on YouTube, which just type in Villa Park podcast and it will come up. You can also find us on Twitter, which is at Villa Park podcast. And if you want to give myself a follow, I am at Marto Leonardo. So it's not L-E-O-N, it's L-E-N-A-R-D-O. Yeah. So you can find me there and, you know, give the podcast a follow. We're on the road to 3000 followers on YouTube, which is, which is incredible considering we've only really started last year. 
Do you know what? Whenever you say your the Twitter handle, I just think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I've got to say it, Martin. I had to say it. <laughs> Leonardo, do you? Oh, yeah, geez. exactly, mate. Exactly. Yeah, he was you the know? smartest one out of a lot of them, so I'll take it. Yeah, I'm a little bit older than you, so I can remember, you know, the Teenage Mutant the Ninja Turtles. Oh, I remember it too. I remember it too. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> it's it's coming back as well, isn't it? I tell you what, yeah. let's <laughs> let's go on to the predictions then. So, Martin, how do you think this game's going to go? I'm going to say 2-1 to Aston Villa. I'm in complete agreement with the fact that you said it's a banana skin. Yeah. And then again, our waveform isn't too great. Form are a very tough side at home, regardless whoever visits. So I think we could finally pip a win and say 2-1. I think Ollie Watkins and I'm going to back John McGinn to get a goal. Do you know what? I'm not going to bet against my own team. And you have absolutely right not to. <laughs> yeah. And with the upturn in form, yes, we beat a depleted Newcastle. We beat Sheffield United, who, let's be honest, are probably, and this is no dis- disrespect to Sheffield United fans, because um, I think they've even said it themselves. Um, I'm playing like a championship team in the Premier League. Yeah. And, of course, beat Burnley as well. So the teams we've beaten, I would say, it's nothing to write home about. But I think this might be the game that Iriola really puts his stamp on things and says, look, I'm here. And, you know, makes everybody wake up. I'm going to back him to beat Unai Emery. And I'm going to go 2-1 myself. So we're flipping the coin. We're flipping the coin. Yeah, we're flipping the coin. Um, who's going to score? Um, to be honest, I think we've got to go with the team that played up at Sheffield United. To be honest, it could have been six or seven. Could have been. Easily. Yeah, it, it was... It was one of them um, games where it was just... Sometimes it just doesn't go your way, but, oh, but you still get the win. Yeah. And I think it shows, A, you know, how we've turned the corner that game. But secondly that we had so many chances. I think yeah. we had about 23, 24 chances. No, you had loads. You just absolutely you know, destroyed it, them. It was ridiculous. Um, you know, it could have been much, much more. And I think we stick with that team. You know, even though I I was banging on and saying David Brooks should start, Iriola knows best. Um, and I'm going to go for Marcus Tavernier. And I think Solanke will get one as well. I was going to so. say, you're going to back Solanke because you have to, because yeah. if you don't... <laughs> yeah, I think Solanke will get one. Um, but I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. And I think Ollie Watkins will, you know, put one in the back of our net. But, hey, I'll be happy with that. You know, a good result. But I think, you know, it's going to be a tough game. Every game yeah. in the Premier League is tough. Yeah, um, no easy games anymore. And... I'll tell you what, Martin, I'll ask you this question. What are you going to be doing Sunday night if Aston Villa are at top of the league? God knows. I won't be going into work Monday if they're at top of the league on Sunday. <laughs> Quite a few beers, I guess, won't it? Uh, a few. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much again for coming on, mate. I will be on the Villa Park podcast myself, so looking forward to that. And 
you know, all the very, very best to Aston Villa for the rest of the season. Do you know what? I would absolutely love it. And let's be honest, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Man City will get a points deduction themselves. Yeah, that that, that thing's not starting until next year, I heard. The, that trial. Yeah. That's going to please the Everton fans, isn't it? Uh, well, look, the, the Everton thing was going on for mm. two years. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. It, a lot of fans are probably pointing out that, oh, it's so quick. But it really wasn't. It was two years. But yeah. in the same sense, though, they had one charge. One. Yeah. And it took two years. Now, think on the scale of things, how long is 115 charges going to take? Oh, crikey. A long, long time. Like, uh, as long as they're guilty of one, there's going to be point deductions. I think what they really need to look at doing is giving them a points deduction for, say, for example, one of them, and then determine the others throughout the season. Um, Problem is, with Man City lawyers, they'll appeal it and probably win. The FA just doesn't have a leg to stand on when it comes to the big six teams. No, exactly. It's thing is, is if they get done for a similar thing to what Everton have, the Premier League and won't be in punishment. You know, so it just yeah. goes to show if your team of lawyers is absolutely incredible, you get away with a lot. Yeah. It's just exactly. that simple. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, exactly. But, you know, fingers crossed for you, mate. It would be incredible to see Aston Villa win the league. It would be. It would be. Um, uh, don't get, don't get my hopes up, please, Craig. Craig, please don't get my hopes up. I'm <laughs> pessimistic. Remember, game by game, you know. Game by game. Yeah. I'm focusing on this on Sunday. Then I'll focus on... <laughs> Then I'll focus on City, then I'll focus on Arsenal, then I'll focus on Molestar, then I'll focus on Sheffield United, then I'll... F- no, sorry, Brentford, then Sheffield United, then United, and then Burnley. That's it. I am not going to Christmas or to the end of the season. Game by game. I thought I was changing your... You know, I was thought I was changing everything for you, Martin, and thought, oh, yeah, give you some optimism. There's, not, there's nothing you can do to sway me until the final day or whatever's confirmed where we are. Then I'll talk. And then there'll be a lot of drinking. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Martin, pleasure as always. And no doubt we're going to catch up at some point during the season as well. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on this show. Remember to hit the like, the subscribe, the bell button below to be alerted to any new videos we do here on Up the Cherries and All Departments. Do also check out all of our recent videos, of course, Cherry Abroad, um, and you can watch my adventure to the Yas Marina racetrack as well, of course, which is the home of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which happened last week as well. Also, do check out all of our interviews as well. They're all on there. Aston Villa fans, you might be interested to know Sean Teal has been on this show. So go and have a watch of that as well. But until the next one, up the cherries. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.